Uh, now I know how Custer felt. <laughs> but I just want to share something that, you know, we, we, we talked a little bit about our legislators earlier. You know, they need to realize that our legislators need to to understand that in order to build a better future for ourselves, for our families, our state, they need to understand a little bit more about the base of our histories to make, to make a better, to be, uh, have built on a better future. You need to know your history. People need to know their history, and it's always good. We sit with our families, we learn where we come from, where we're going, the do's and don'ts of life. And a lot of our legislators are, are, are sometimes neglect to look back in time to the foundation of where we all come from. I think once they realize that, they'll realize the importance of our history, of our society, of our historical societies. And give them a better idea of where they need to slip some of that funding. <laughs> so with that, I'm going to begin a little bit. I, this goes till 2, so I got 10 minutes. Uh, and, I've, I, and I got, as I mentioned earlier, I got 14,000 years to cover. <laughs> so needless to say, I'm just going to cover bits and pieces here. Uh, try to understand to, to, to uh, try to give you an understanding a little bit more about the Salish Andre people. First of all, I want to tell you that when you hear Salish and Pondere people, you know, the Salish band of speak, uh, Salish-speaking people are normally from this area down in the southern, what is now Montana. What people refer to as the Pondere are actually Upper Kalispell people. The Lower Kalispell is in eastern Washington. So their Aboriginal territory extended from eastern Washington all the way up north to the Sweetgrass Hills, up the what is now Flathead River, it used to be Ponderay River, Flathead Lake, which used to be Ponderay Lake. All of those areas were uh, bands of, uh, of the uh, Upper Kalispell people. Down here was mostly the uh, Salish people. But before they got to be Salish and Kalispell people, the elders always talked about being one large group, one group of people. And as, as like everything else, right, we grow, we expand, and needed more resources, that's when they split up. That's what they went into different directions to find new homes. So the entire northwest of the United States, what is now the United States, Washington, Oregon, Idaho, Montana, and parts of Canada are now where the Salish-speaking people live and have ended up. So, in the beginning of time, before we were here as people, in the beginning of time, according to our history, our, our stories, the animals were here before we were. The land was 
empty with humans. It was just animals. They're the ones that were here first. They're the ones that prepared this area for us prior to us being here. I think that's why we have such, as Steve calls it, passion. Not only for, for our land, but for our animals. Knowing that everything we have and everything we do today, we learned and we got from the animals who prepared this land for us. That's why we have landmarks all through this area. We have uh, uh, what we call creation stories or, or coyote stories. The stories that were passed down from generation to generation from the beginning of time. These stories, and, and again, the, Lake, uh, the last ice age was the, is, connects our oldest story to that. And so all through that history, we have landmarks. According to our elders, as the animals were here, and as they were sent here to prepare this for us, as humans said later to come. The animals that have, you know, all tribes have what you want to call main characters or animal characters in their stories, according to whatever their, their geographic location is. And here, ours is the coyote and the fox. So as the fox and the coyote went through here, he was sent here by the creator to prepare this land killing all the people. As he went through here, through these events, land formations were created. So we have land formations all over the valley here. Those land formations remind us today what took place there, what value we got out of that. The stories that are told are not just stories. They're, they're learning stories. They're, they're educational stories. We have a land formation in Lolo. We have land formation Corvallis, and we have all through the Aboriginal territory of the Salish and Kalispell people. As the stories, as the animal went through here and ended up to the next, overlapping with the next tribe, the next tribe continues those stories with their own characters, their own animals, the same way we do it. They, they have the same educational stories in, in their areas. And that that's like that throughout this whole country. Each tribe has their own stories. Those are the educational tools for our young people. How, how Chipmunk got its stripes. Why there's a, a sleeping child hot springs. While there's a hot spring up on the, uh, on the past. You know, all over, there are, those are part of our stories, part of, of how they became what they are today. So that's how we learned. So originally, the, um, like I said, the population was one, one group of people and group. And so today we have, um, we have sites, we have name, place names throughout all of our ag Aboriginal territory. I was lucky and fortunate enough to work with a group of people for the last 41 years um, when the program started to work with traditional elders who told these stories and told about the, the history of the place names. And so as we, we listen to them and, and they talk about these place names, we put those on a map. And by doing that, we, we could slowly and gradually see the Aboriginal territory of the Salish and, and the Kalispell people. And by doing that, we then go back and speak to our elders and give us the stories for those 
for those areas and then we pass those down to the next generation so for instance uh, you know we all know that uh, Missoula uh, we call that in Chi the, the Redmond there is a place of the Swamp Ultra then just north of that where the uh, confluence of the black but we call that Nystrom place of the big bull trout. Um, the, the Blackfoot River, I don't know who named it, but it's called the Blackfoot River now. We have a name that we called it in the Eichstumselkis, which means waters of the bull trout. That's what we call it, because that's, that was an abundance of bull trout at one time. Butte America, mm -hmm. we call that Sintapche. These are all, most of our place names tie us back to, not only to the land, but to the animals and whatever else. Sintapake, we call it, is a place where you shoot something in the head. In that time, there was an abundance of bull trout in Butte that they used bows and arrows to, to get their bull trout there. And now, uh, I don't know if there's any there yet, but that's what happened there. And so, all those names that has a story and has something, so a reason they're just not named because they're, they're to give it a name. Events took place, either either live events or or, or, or events from our creation story. Um, creation stories I could share with you, but uh, you know, just like anybody else, all tribes have their own different differences and cultures. And in my culture, we can't share those stories until the winter months when there's snow on the ground. Um, you know, I have my own reasons why, you know, but back then we used to still um, honor and respect our elders. So when my elders spoke and said, no, okay, don't question, you just wait until they're ready to continue. And these stories, I, like I said, just like one long story just goes that so coyote went through here and went on down uh, created these these things and so as a young person you're listening to these stories you're very interested in what's taking place and all of a sudden it's over you you realize that you learned something from that and that's why they did it that way but i had my own theory why you know why they didn't tell stories any other time and that's because i felt like during the, that time, there was too much to do. You had there was too much to prepare for, for the winter months. You you had plants, you had food and medicinal. You had animals. You had to you had to fill your place with food in order to get through another winter. And I believe that was mine. That's what I come up with. That's why they did that. The only reason my grandmother told me was that if you tell a story out of season, the snake's going to come up to and wrap around your leg. <laughs> You know, as a young child, as a young person, that was enough. <laughs> <laughs> and so we did that, you know. Yeah. So we ne I never asked her again to tell me a story. I just waited till the proper time. So all of our stories are like that. All of our, our, our information, that's an educational way of teaching our children. So the people originally, like I said, was one, and then as they spread out, they encompassed mostly the, the most of Montana, but it's now Montana. And the place names goes all the way down to the Yellowstone, up to the Sweetgrass Hills, uh, Southern Canada, 
back all the way to eastern Washington. Those were the areas that my, my people lived in, my ancestors. And there was no real permanent site to live except for the Bitterroot Valley. The Bitterroot Valley was more of a wintering area as they went hunting, trapping, whatever, getting their food, they tried to make it back here before the winter months for the protection from the cold and the snow. You get caught out there in the, in the flatlands, you were in Dibdudu. <laughs> but anyway, besides having uh, the, the shelter from the snow and the cold, there was still plenty of fish, plenty of deer, plenty of other animals to supplement the supply of buffalo that they went after. So this was a very a happy place, very good place to, to, to raise families. And today we, we still consider it home. We still come back, as Steve said, twice annually as a large group. But individually we come whenever we can. But twice annually we revisit this area and kind of teach our young children and reconnect them with their past, with their, with their ancestors. So, wow, we're going to have to skip a few pages here. <laughs> um, Steve covered a little bit about, you know, the, the treaty, the Hellgate Treaty, and, and moving the people out of here. I think we call that the, the removal of the Salish and Bedroot. Trail of Tears, our own Trail of Tears, if you will. It took three days or two nights and three days to get get to back, get up to the <coughs> Charco Reservation. And and for your information, while I'm thinking of it, the uh, the, the Salish Culture Committee and and others are planning what they call a return to the Bitterroot. If you're interested, they're coming. They're going to march back on the. On the 125th anniversary of the day they were they were forced out of here, they're coming back on that day, which is the 15th of October. And we're going to have people walking, uh, riding, uh, whatever. They're going to try to take the same amount of time to get back down here, and, and uh, we're still working out details. And hopefully. Uh, when we speak with the people in Stevensville that they'll allow us to to group on the outskirts of uh, Stevensville on the 15th and then as all the people get there we will march into uh, Stevensville to the we're, we're planning on going to the cemetery where there's still some Salish people buried there uh, to again this is just to educate our young people so that they don't forget their ancestors and what they did for us so that we could be here today. And so that's on the 15th of uh, October. So we have a lot of history here. We have a lot of ties that will never <laughs> be severed allow us be here. And as humans of this, <coughs> this land, we all have history. We all have a reason to be here, just like our animals and everything else. That Some of us don't like all the animals because we're scared of them. Some of us don't like those little creepy crawlers because we're scared of them. 
But we must realize that they were created for purpose and they're here for a reason. And uh, you upset one, you, you unbalance the whole ecosystem. And it's the same way with people. We get rid of one, we do away with one, we you upset the balance of why we were here in the first place. And so to look at it that way, you know, it's not, you know, we have competition, but that should be left for games, those kind of things. Real life, there should be no competition because we all have a purpose here. We all have a reason to be here. And we all have a, a reason to be proud of where we come from, our ancestors, our parents, our grandparents, what they did so that we could be sitting here today enjoying the food that was here, enjoying the stories that people are sharing. We forget sometimes we, you know, we don't know everything. You know, some of us think we do. We say, hey, I know everything, no, I don't need to know. But no, we only know so much. You know, I'm working with my tradition and my elders for the last 41 years. Every day, every time I meet with them, I learn something new. Everything, every day is a learning experience. So you don't, I don't know everything. You know, I, I just try to convince my staff that I know everything. <laughs> I, don't know. I, can get, I can get away with that, though. But, you know, that, that's what we are here for. That's what we need to understand. And, and as, as Steve said, when you go away from here, I hope you understand a little bit more about who you are, where you come from, and why, why you're here. We're here to make sure that our histories are not lost, that our stories, our values continue to the next generation. Without those values that we were we grew up with, we'd be well be lost. And I always tell people that's why we have so many of our children, so many of our people are lost, become gains. They have, we create their own gains, they create their own language, they go create their own way of dressing because they're lost. They lost that connection to the traditional and family values where we grew up. And I think we need to find that way. And through that, through history, through the values that were passed down to us, we can re we can reestablish that with our children today. You all you need to do is look around in the world that we live in. There's a lot of chaos going on, and you look at communities that still possess the family, that does still value the family life, and the, the different things that we grew up. You can see the difference between those communities and those in larger cities where people are lost because it shouldn't be competition. It should be a way of life to be with each other, to understand each other, and most of all, to respect each other. That's what I grew up with. I, I'm still working hard to convince my staff at that, but I'll get there. <laughs> you know, 
my, my partner over here, he's one of those guys that is just a little bit east of Missoula. <laughs> he's from New York. You were born and raised in New York. And uh, 30 years ago, he was a young kid, had his own language, dressed his own way, had his own, and he was working in Glacier, going to work Glacier Park. After he was done there, he, I don't know where he was going, but he was hitchhiking. And he came to our reservation. Left sense. <laughs> but he's been, he's a, he's a historian. He's a, got a gift of gab. He's got a gift of, of, of seeing things that I don't. You know, I, most of the time I've, I've lived the Salish traditional way. And, and I take a lot of things for granted, but he sees those kind of things. So he's taken all of that information that we've gotten from our traditional elders that we've interviewed and taped for the last 40 some years and putting that together into some history information that's going to be public someday. It's going to be out there that help bring a better understanding to between people. The Salish people, this is our homeland. It'll always be our homeland whether we live here or not because we still have those ties. We still have those traditional values that are here that we grew up with our, our creation stories especially. And maybe someday I'll, I'll have an opportunity to share some of those stories. I did one year, where was it? Is it here in Hamilton or is it still? I can't remember. I've done so many of them. I did come up and tell some creation stories I talked about, about the importance. Maybe someday I'll have a chance. Well, that's a whirlwind, and I still have about eight, nine pages to go, but I'll try to get you back on schedule. On so I want to thank you for your attention. I want to thank you for your respect, and I hope to. Next rest of the afternoon, yeah. you'll learn more. Thank you. Thank you.